Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. We are very excited to have Carl uh, Whiteboards Daily with us. Carl, we're going to turn it over to you, give a little introduction to yourself to the listeners. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm very honored to be on your show, guys, and just sit down and talk with you. I feel like we've got a lot of similar interests, obviously, when it comes to movement. But if anyone knows of me, they probably know about Whiteboard Daily, uh, the Instagram account where I post a new coaching cue or a new movement sequence, or I try to post some kind of new drawing every single day to help people become better coaches, better athletes, better movers. I've got a, a true passion for communicating movement and making it easy for people to understand. Again, honored to be here and, and talk with you guys about this industry that we're in. So thank you so much for having me. How long, have, uh, how long ago did you start in the fitness industry? Uh, in the fitness industry, I guess I've always been interested in fitness and performance mm-hmm. for sure. I, uh, I'm i tall, I'm six, seven, and yeah, growing up, in, and I, I'm growing up in Indiana, and when you're tall and you grow up in Indiana, you're gonna play basketball, it's kind of like your sport. Right. And so that's what I did, basketball. I knew early on that basketball probably be my vehicle to take me to college with the full ride scholarship. And I did end up playing for Bellarmine University down in Louisville, Kentucky. But even in high school, I was the type of kid that would be like on my own doing plyometrics or I, you guys remember the strength shoes back then? Oh, oh yeah. This is the price. Oh, they yes. might be still around, but like the strength shoes with the big platform on the toe, like right. I would be just doing stuff like that on my own just because I liked the feeling of getting better at movement and it was just, it's always been a fun thing to improve my performance, my athletic performance and see what works best to do that. So it's always been an interest of mine. So long story short, uh, a communications degree from Bellarmine when I graduated, went back and I got my teaching certification in PE. I taught for a little bit in California. And then I went back and I got my master's in kinesiology again from Indiana University. And then really kind of a, I mean, I, I could talk about three or four different lifetimes, but recently in 27, yeah, 2017, I created an account called Whiteboard Daily because I wanted to share coaching content that I picked up along the years and use it in a medium that's pretty familiar to everybody using the whiteboard because that's kind of like the gathering place for a lot of, especially mm-hmm. CrossFit classes. And so I was like, well, I'm going to draw stuff up on here and, and uh, challenge myself keep myself accountable to doing just like one little new thing a day. And it's kind of grown to be far beyond what I could ever expect it to be. So it's been really fun. So was, was the, the stick figure concept, was that the most simple thing that, that came to you to communicate? Yeah. With? You know, one of the very first drawings that I did when I saw like a potential for the stick figure to be popular, I drew a picture of a stick figure uh, doing triple extension through the ankle, knee, and hip with a, a barbell. And nowadays, you know, I and I draw every single day. So, like, looking back four or five years ago, I was like, man, the, the drawing looked pretty juvenile. It looked pretty, like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I would do a much better job now. But, like, back then, I was like, yeah, that looks really cool. And I noticed that people really like to see movement simplified to something as as easy to understand as a stick figure. And I, I've been on other podcasts where someone mentioned, like, it's kind of like the most simple form of communication. Like uh, you look back on like caveman drawings, it's like a caveman wall or a wall in a cave where it's just like you see figures just drawn up on there. And it's really what I tried to do is simplify movement to help people move better. So, yeah. As a coach, we want to try to use more analogies mm-hmm. more than the language that we speak, yep. right? Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. 
to the general population, we might as well speak Latin in in many ways, yeah. right? So how do we take what we talk about and, and make it transferable and absorbable? Yeah, we talk about extension and external rotation, internal rotation, and uh, a lot of like anatomical words to describe movements. And really, you know, people, when they can start to visualize making a mountain of sand out of their heels or twisting their feet into the ground, like screwing their feet into the ground, you're able to achieve movement that's desired uh, in a way that they, you don't have to worry about technical lingo. It's more about like, mm -hmm. hey, triple extension, hey, jump, right? Just like that's something that everyone understands. And the more you, the more cues you have in your toolbox, uh, the more ways you can communicate movements to different people, the better a coach you're going to be. Um, when you start mm -hmm. to kind of close your mind off to thinking that you know everything, your knowledge really has reached a finite point. You are closing yourself off to becoming better. So I'm constantly trying to learn. I'm constantly trying to pick up things from other coaches who are much better than me and much smarter than me and much more experienced than me because I know that I'm, <laughs> I haven't even reached what I want to be. I want to be better. And so if I you know, I, I take what I've learned from other coaches and apply it. And then that helps me other, with other people. So you constantly have to be learning if you want to be a teacher. Uh, very true. Uh, we do see some educators and systems and, and they, you know, their thing is, oh, this is all you yeah. need. And we're the pinnacle. And so for Neil and I, when we see that, it kind of automatically kind of turns us off to yeah. who that person is or whatever. It's a red flag for sure. And I, and early on, I started to do, I started CrossFitting back in like 07 or 08 and relatively new, uh, relatively young um, in terms of like the big scheme of things and where it is right now. And I remember when I first learned about it, I was like, oh man, like this is it. Like you, you're wasting your time if you're doing anything but CrossFit. And I feel like a lot of people who first get introduced to something like that, they're like, really, you're wasting, like they have this kind of closed off mentality when in reality, Everyone's got different fitness goals. Uh, everyone has different things that they like to do. It's like when you, it's like you, you taste strawberry shortcake for the first time. You're like, this is the best dessert ever. And you're like, Every, everyone should be having this dessert. But like, no, there's, there's different right. flavors, different, different tastes out there. And everyone's different strokes for different folks, right? So everyone's got something different. So the more you can open yourself up to other cues and movement sequences and like understanding how people understand your communication, uh, you're going to be a better coach. So I've learned a lot. I want to help. I want to help other people become better coaches. Well, so when did you start thinking about doing your book? I, I that was something that had always been a dream of mine. I, it was in the back of my mind to do something like that, to have like some kind of printed, nice color, hard bound book. I was like, that'd be so cool to have a book of cues, but I was like, how, how, what would that even look like? And how do you even get started on something like that? And I kind of realized I was, I was working on it, even though I didn't really even know that that was like my big project. I was approached about a year and a half ago by Glenn Cordoza, who was a co-author on like Supple Leopard with Kelly Starrett. And, mm -hmm. and he, he's the one, I, I'm not sure if he came across my page or if someone introduced him to it. And he was like, oh man, this, this looks like this could be a great book. And then he reached out to me. He asked, hey, would you be interested in, in making this a book? And I was like, absolutely. And so from there on, he put me in line with Victory Belt, who they're the same publisher for Supple Leopard, but also okay. uh, Dr. Aaron Horsage with um, 
Squat University. They did his, they've got his books, Carl Paoli, Freestyle Movement, um, Brian McKenzie, Power, Speed, Endurance. I think it's some other big timers. Uh, Brent Contreras, uh, the glute, the glute guy, the glute. Um, so like all of these books, like this is a, like these people know what they're doing. And I was thankful to be uh, hooked up with such a, a, a prominent publisher within the fitness industry. And they uh, just, I working together, I feel like the book is just far beyond what I even expected it to be. So I'm very thankful to be working with them. So are the movements in the book mainly the, the basic CrossFit movements? Yeah, or they... I would say so. I mean, there is, yeah, uh, yeah there's, you, you got your powerlifting movements, so you got your bench. There, there's just a little bit of bench, not too much, but a little bit of bench, definitely a lot of deadlift, a lot of back squat. But then you then also get into the Olympic stuff. I think the majority of the stuff is Olympic weightlifting as far as like movement cues and sequences. But then I get into mm -hmm. kettlebells. I get into a lot of kettlebell move, uh, cues. I get into a lot of gymnastic stuff. So yeah, I mean, all your CrossFit moves, rowing is definitely in there. There's some running in there. So it's stuff that you would see if you're a CrossFitter. It's definitely more catered, I guess you could say, towards a CrossFitter, but it definitely applies to like a lot of Olympic weightlifters. And then I also get into like coaching perspective and coaching tech mindset type stuff, because I feel like that's really important for coaches to communicate to their athletes as well. Well, that is a big part. Look through your book. Yeah, I saw that in the back half. I thought that was a nice addition because it, as a coach, you, you do kind of want to be able to read and think about things differently than you might look at. So I think that was a really good thing to throw in. Yeah, it's hard to, you can't overlook the importance of your mind when it comes to athletic performance um, because the mind drives the body. And, and, if, and if your mind isn't right, then your body's not going to follow. So it's really important to coach those things just as much as you're, as you're coaching movement. You have to have that mindset right. And there's so many good coaching perspectives out there to share with people to kind of help them understand about consistency and ego and just dedication, that sort of thing. So it just made sense to, to include that. Well, yeah, because psychology is such a big part of what we do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that uh, I don't know if maybe some coaches don't want to acknowledge that, but that's a big chunk of our job. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it really is. I, I'm a high school strength coach. That's like my full-time job. And I do that because I like to get, it inspires me to be a better coach. I learn a lot of new cues when I'm working with my athletes. I've got about 350 students or so. So I'm seeing them all throughout the week. And it's just all I see is movement. And I'm just immersed in movement. So when I do that, I'm like, okay, this is going to make me a better coach because it, it's like if you want to learn a language, you move to that country, right? <laughs> if you, if you, yeah. And so I feel like I'm just totally immersed in movement. And, and I, I finish all of my classes with some words of wisdom. And so it all comes back to like, some kind of mental perspective that, I, that will help them become a better athlete on the mental side uh, to help them understand like this is just as important as the moves that we do out uh, on the platform. And it's good that you're getting to work with the high school students because you're able to start to mold them at a younger age than dealing with an older client who may be a little bit harder to try to change their paradigm. A little yeah, bit. absolutely. It's one of those things where I wanted to make sure that I was leading by example when it comes to coaching. After COVID, or once COVID hit, I was I really went all in on whiteboard daily. That's all I was doing. I wasn't really coaching anybody, but I was like still sharing the things I learned from being a coach prior to COVID. And I was like, gosh, I really, yeah, imposter syndrome is like a big buzzword nowadays. And I felt like an imposter, like here I am 
running this coaching education kind of channel and want to help other people be a better, better coach. But I wasn't coaching and, and so thankful that I just finished my first year of being a full-time head strength conditioning coach for a really great high school here in Indiana. And I, I love it. I love my job. I love working with the students, a great facility. And it, it really allows me to not only use the things that I talk about, but also learn more so I can share that with other people and help them become better coaches and athletes. It really is just a big blessing. I really am thankful for it. So being in, a, in that setting, did you ever find out like, okay, here's a coaching cue that I thought would impact this group, but it didn't work at all. And so you had to come up with something on the fly that, that hit oh, yeah. better. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times it's like some of the, the littlest things can make the biggest difference. Like this morning I was working with our girls volleyball team and I probably said like eyes on the horizon probably six or seven times to different athletes because they they like to look where the bar goes and and if they're looking at the bar well then if they're fully extended they can't get their head through the window of their arms and so i'm like hey just eyes on the horizon don't worry about anything else find a spot focus on that it's just like the littlest things it, it's like especially with with crossfit instructors they're taught to triage when it comes to looking at movement especially if you are a coach and you're working with a first time or a novice mover and they've never done a thruster before or a snatch or whatever you see you see them moving you're like okay demo just show me what you got let's, let's see what we're working with here and they move with the pvc pipe or whatever and you're and you and in your mind you're like oh my gosh this is a train wreck like where do i even begin <laughs> and and really you gotta you gotta find the thing that's gonna affect the most issues down the road or down the chain and from 90 percent of those issues it all starts with the connection to the ground, which is your feet. So you just look at the feet. Are we on the outsides of our feet, insides, heel? The feet tell a story for a lot of other movement issues up the chain. Once you get the feet established and they learn how the, the full foot feels or the tripod or whatever, then you move up the chain, you move up to like the knee. Okay, are we caving in? Are we pushing way out? And describe like, hey, I want you to look down at your knee. And once you see, you see how it goes in the same direction as your toes? Let's try and do that when we do our squat, like that sort of thing. And so it's really just triaging working your way up and, and, and not getting overwhelmed when you see someone who really needs a lot of help. Work just little bits at a time and you make a big difference. It's really easy, I think, as coaches too, to overwhelm our athletes with like, oh my gosh, okay, I want you to squash the bug and throw the apple and, you know, like give them like tons of cues and they're like, I have no idea what you told them. Just like one thing at a time and, and work from there. Yeah, that's a great point. I think you watch the movement and then, like you just said, address one thing. And then once that's cleaned mm -hmm. up or achieved, then move on to the next, but throwing three or four different things at one time, we hear from clients all the time, it's too much to think yeah. about. And they say that, they're like, oh, I got too much to think about. Yeah, yeah. you can't, and then they get the paralysis by over-analysis, right? Mm -hmm. and, yes. And uh, your job as a coach is to make things easier for them. And it's not to impress them with your technical lingo. It's not to... Uh, show off with how much you see wrong with them and how much they can improve. Your job is to help them move safer and better. And you can't overwhelm them with all of that stuff. Just you're going to impress them more by saying less words and being be more accurate with with your words. I think that's the case with any kind of public speaking or any kind of coaching, regardless of whether it's fitness or business or farming or math or whatever. Like. You take any profession and the less words you use, the more accurate you are, uh, you're going to be more impressive in the long run. 
And here I am babbling on and on. <laughs> but I, well, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's like, you know, people say, if you can't explain it to a five or six year old, absolutely. you know, maybe you're trying to over explain it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the Einstein quote, right? Yeah. Coaches try to, I guess they, they try to correct everything in one session instead of chipping away at it yeah. and playing the long game and, you know, give them that one cue. Even if it still looks bad, it's like, let's see what their body, if their body can self-organize over the next month, mm -hmm. you know, and just go slowly. And sometimes people just need to, they need time to like feel that cue or feel that difference. It, it, it's, it might take a few reps for them to understand what you're talking about. You're not going to see immediate feedback rate out rates as soon as you say something, because really what we're coaching and I'll probably do a, a I'll probably do a board on this in the future, but really the, the one of the most important that we could one of the most important things that we can coach is that mind and body connection of body awareness. When I say raise your right foot, do you know what I'm talking about? And I know it sounds simple, but really people have to, it's yeah, not... have to think about that for a bit. So teaching body awareness, understanding how your body moves, understanding your joints, your muscles, like those things are really important. And it takes time to understand that. It's like throwing throwing somebody, a new driver into an F1 car and saying, okay, let's take it around the lap, you know, a few times. They're not going to know what they're doing. So you need to like, yeah. let's go back to a go-kart. Yeah. I mean, and we see it when we teach with coaches that do this for a living. And we often are, well, not anymore, but when we first started teaching, it was really surprising at how much lack of body awareness there was in the professional ranks yeah. that do this for a living. And so you're like, holy crap, I think that was the one thing mm -hmm. that surprised us a lot. You know, along those lines, it's really interesting that you say that because another mantra that I find super important as an athlete, but I apply it to my coaching as well. I learned it from my good friend, Chuck, Chuck Bennington, and his, he's, he's commonly says, uh, do less better. And people want to, they're really attracted to like these sexy movements of the muscle up and the squat snatch, or I mean, you know, things that are this beautiful orchestra of movement. And they really, people like to like, they admire, they want to go for those big movements when really mm -hmm. they need to dial it back and rather than doing butterfly pull-ups. They're not even doing kipping. Pull they need to go back to the, to the assisted pull-up or like have the toenail pull-up where they need to like really dial in their mechanics before they can even think about doing such things. And it, it still applies to coaching too. Like I, I look at myself and my movement and I want to use my body as a tool. And if I can't do the things that I'm talking, telling other people about, well, then I got a lot of work to do. And so I, I have to check my ego to be like, hey, listen, am I working on the basics? Am I taking my time to, to work on overhead positioning with the PVC pipe? And am I... Am I doing too much weight when I should be doing less weight and worrying about form? When you start to adopt that mindset of doing less better, it does nothing but improve everything and build you up for a stronger foundation for further skills down the road. I really, that's one of those phrases that I feel like just applies to so much, especially in our, in our world of fitness. That's a great quote. Yeah. yeah. Do less better. Do less better. That's very true. Yeah. yeah bring people back to the fundamentals, but at the same time, you know, fundamentals are boring for most oh people. Oh my gosh. Uh, but we know as coaches in anything, in, in whether it's business, anything that you're coaching people on, I think all coaches in every, every industry know the basics, just you've got to have them locked yeah. in and you have to revisit those. Yeah. I think that's the, the people think, okay, I've got the basics down. 
now everything's just moving forward and it's not, and you got to realize that no periodically you have to come back to the basics mm -hmm. and make sure that you have them still locked yeah in. i tried to like make a lot of correlations between sports like team sports because in high school there's a lot of team sports going on baseball basketball softball whatever and so i i i tell my athletes okay if you're a basketball player and you're working on your shot you're you're really cued into like elbow positioning foot positioning you know where your eyes are you're really going to understand that when it takes time to practice it's going to take time to practice to get better at your shot when you're working on a barbell every single time you move that barbell you're practicing whether you know it or not and so every single rep matters even even the the reps that don't even have any weight on the bar empty barbell reps warm-up reps working set reps max out reps every single time you move a barbell you're practicing your movement and so you need to pay attention to every single time your hands are on the bar every single time every single time you move you're you're ingraining a movement pattern so you better be paying attention to how you look and mm -hmm. and realizing the importance of that so it's um every single rep matters that's another one that i really i really try to communicate to my athletes too um, everything matters I know we were we were thrilled when we reached out to each other yeah. and collaborated on your first set of drawings, especially with the sticks. It was fantastic. We thought the reception was really good for it, and we loved the way you drew the figures and, and really helped people understand what it is that we're trying to accomplish by using the sticks. Well, I, I really admire what you guys do. It, it's similar to what I try to do as well, where you, you take something as simple as a set of sticks or even one stick, and you're like, let's we can we can create tension through this we can set positioning through this in a way that is so simple but it allows us to focus on the smallest little movements that are going to help us create a better foundation um so it was just a really honor to work with you guys and i and to also see all the things that you guys are working on with regard to the other athletes the other the wider population that you guys are working with I, i'm curious to like see what you guys are doing next or uh, it'd, be, it'd be great to like just visit here let me back it up when i see the videos especially of you dennis um I, it's like it seems like it's such a fun you, you're always playing and i think you learn so much through playing and i would like to hear you kind of describe that when you because i know that I'm, I'm speaking your language when i say that yeah i mean you give somebody a task yeah Try to make it fun. I mean, we have tasks that are boring that people don't want to do because they're we're trying to get a result or get something that we know they're not going to do on their own. But then at the same time, I want to give them a task that is going to be fun. Maybe like a little bit of a puzzle. They got to they got to figure it out. And I think what's kind of funny for clients, my personal clients, is I know sometimes they get a little frustrated because I'm not giving them the yeah answer. right. I'm making them solve it. It's like a living crossword puzzle. Yeah in many respects, right? I'm going to give you a clue, I'm going to give you a task, and let's see how you figure out how to organize the task and how to accomplish it. And then if there's a more efficient way, if there's something that we need to clean up, okay, let's go back and address that issue separately. But for right now, each one of us, you know, five of us had the same task to, to do without watching each other. We probably have some subtle difference, uh, maybe significant differences in how we accomplish those same tasks. So that's what we're at. So I, how do you come up with the challenges that you do? Because there's, there's times when I see you working with pegs in a band, or I'll see you working with, you're crumpling up newspaper, or you're 
you have to move an object down a few yards or like, are, are you guys just having fun with like, hey, let's see the most efficient way to do this? Or are you, is it is it studying as you're playing or, or what's your thought process behind that? It's more just feedback of when I do something. Uh, maybe it's just something around the house. So I'll do a movement. I'll, I'll f understand the feedback that I'm getting through that movement and go, oh, well, I can make this a training mm -hmm. task or whatever, right? And so then I'll incorporate that. But we're using just basic scientific principles and then seeing how these scientific principles adapt and, and carry over to different tools and, and, and the body itself. And really educate, spending time to educate our clients. We, we want our clients to be smarter than most of the trainers are going to come across. Uh, and you do that by getting them to do these things so that way they start to kinesthetically understand what's going on. And so that way when you ask them, say, hey, you know, when they come in, they're like, oh, I spent my whole weekend, you know, moving boxes in my garage or reorganizing my garage. And they're like, but I understood what levers are and what leverage is and i put all that stuff in into application of actually the whole weekend moving this moving these different masses and volumes mm -hmm. and so when they're talking in those terms for me it's like mission accomplished beautiful you've had mind you just did spend a weekend moving around but you were very mindful of what you were doing you weren't just half-assing it so to speak and that's really where we see people get injured is because they're doing something yeah. there's kind of they're not into it they're not mindful of the movement they just reach and then boom and their body says okay well i'm, I'm done with yes this. um have you ever seen the show alone it's on yes yeah, and yeah. uh so it, it, for anyone who doesn't know it like they, they take 10 i'd say wilderness survivalist kind of I, i'd say experts for the most part like they know what they're doing mm -hmm. and they drop them off in the mm -hmm. middle of a very remote area uh, this last season, they're up in British Columbia on a lake, very secluded, and they see how they how well they survive by themselves, completely alone. And the one thing you notice, I think, going back to your mindfulness part, is that as they're depleted with food or they're getting tired, you understand how much you really have to weigh what you do because you're going to be burning up calories, and you want to make sure that you're getting calories. But as you're depleted, both with your calories and also with your energy you still have to do these simple tasks and people start to make dumb mistakes with like cutting themselves and which can be a massive mm -hmm. error they oh, uh, yeah. this one guy like he was sitting he's trying to warm himself and he, I, he's pretty pretty smart guy but he burned his socks and so okay now you're screwed because your socks are burnt because you weren't paying it like simple little things that, you, that we take for granted here and it, they can really add up and they can be big mistakes that's why we see people falling out of trees and breaking their ankle or whatever like you, being mindful is probably one of the most important things and going again going back to the mind body connection if we could teach that to our clients hey listen i want you to feel this and imagine this and and really focus on this movement and and once you're more in tune with your body it it can perform better and uh you can get that desired outcome well, I know, like, for, you know, in your case, Neil, like, mm -hmm. your experience as a rock climbing oh, yeah. gave you a vastly advanced perception when you came into the training industry. Yeah, for sure, because, you know, in the training industry, everything is very, you got to have your feet this yeah. way, you, gotta oh, have, yeah. you know, your arms this way, your hips have to be pointed this way, and you go watch someone climb, or you actually 
go climb yourself. There's no rules. No. It's I need to create tension here, here, here. You know, I might be, and then at the same time, I need to I need to pull rope. I need to find something that's secure. Yeah. I need to clip something here, and it's always uh, problem solving. You know, like Dennis is doing in the gym there. Yeah. So you take that and you see the kind of shapes that you get into when you're rock climbing, yeah. and you see people that are untrained, right? And they go into the rock climbing gym and they become better and better and yeah. better. But yet in the fitness industry, I think we overassess people. We don't let them load themselves yeah. Yeah. early enough. Or or in the other case, it's more extreme. We load people too fast. Like if you go to a rock climbing gym or outside, it's very um, self-limiting, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you're only going to be able to, to go as hard as, as your skill level. Mm-hmm. I think you, boy, that's really a great point you talked about because it's almost like on the platform with the barbell, you've got like rules, like a squat is supposed to look like this if you want to biomechanically move correctly. But when it comes to like rock climbing, it's like organic. It's like you do what mm-hmm. your desired outcome is to go from point A to point B, figure, figure it out, <laughs> right? right? That, that's yeah. such a great contrast of movement there. And but really, like it, they have to blend it together, and mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I do that quite often as a coach. I need to catch myself because I'm I'll have like this mental checklist of like, okay, I'll have an athlete squatting, and I'm, you know, there's there's points of performance that I'm looking at, but I'm like, you got to be subjective sometimes, and you can't say like every squat must look the same because you know there's anthropometrics, there's we got limb length, we got mm-hmm. we got uh, mobility issues, and so there are going to be differences here. There. So you got to take what you can get. And your desired outcome is change shifts from maybe a standard or like um, how it's supposed to look to like, are they moving better and are they able to increase their strength or are they just, do they feel better? Are they uninjured? That sort of thing. So there's like other goals that you start to look at rather than just like they look better or they look like they're moving better. I I could learn a lot from you, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's because it's kind of like, you know, there's... One person's idea of perfection may not be somebody else's idea yeah. of perfection, right? You know, I don't tell people, oh, that was a perfect, perfect form. There, there's no such thing as perfect form, mm-hmm. right? Because we may, all three of us may watch somebody do something, yeah. and one of us may be like, well, that was really good, while another one of us may be like, oh, we need a little, a little bit of work on that. So the way we perceive the movement is different based off of our knowledge base and our and our paradigm, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah you have to simplify your way of like looking at movement to be like if the objective is to have is to move from full extension to hip crease below the top of knee how can i biomechanically achieve that in the most efficient way possible it's like well let's look at the skeleton okay the skeleton spine is strongest when it's got a nice neutral curve when it's more upright the more forward we start to bend the weaker we get okay so let's try and keep that upright now we have to have the hips go down and back and we still have to keep this torso upright in a sense that we want to stay, keep the torso strong. So it's like kind of like problem solving because everyone's different, but you still have to accomplish like that task of like moving from point A to point B. I, and I think it's probably one of the reasons why I love it so much is because there's so many ways to talk about it and get better and uh, and help people understand how to move better through coaching cues and through drawing. And it's just been, it's, it's truly my passion. I'm thankful to have this platform to do it. You had said earlier most of the movements that you're in your book are aimed at CrossFit, powerlifting, those type of lifts. Uh, are you looking to do more of maybe drawing the whiteboards for more body weight movements? Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because you know once you get this is one of the best things about I guess 
having a first book is you can start to be like, okay, if it's successful, let's work on a second book. I mean, cause we got, yeah. you know, the systems, systems are in place here. I know what I'm doing. I, I, I'm trying to get better and better every single day. I've got a great relationship with my publisher. They want another book. So like, how can we improve upon oh, this? Nice. Yeah. And so I've already started to work on my second book right now. And, you know, talking with my wife, talking with my friends and my colleagues, I'm like, how can I improve this? And so I want to kind of make it broader to, so it's something that's useful for youth. And it's also something that's useful for like senior citizens. And when you start talking about that stuff, you, you really have to talk about body weight movements and your hinges and your, and your things that movements and movement cues that can apply to a wide range, whether you have a kettlebell in your hand or a barbell or a dumbbell or no weight at all, that sort of thing, an odd object, things and cues that can apply to a wide range. So I'm, I'm working on that. That's my goal for the second book is, is to keep on bringing the cues, keep on bringing the movement sequences that people like to see the drawings, but make it to a, for a broader audience that they can help people. It'd be interesting because like for like general population with your drawings, do like groceries yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. right? Stuff that they can be like, I need that. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. that's what I do every day, right? The tough part I think with that is like I did, I don't know, like CrossFit, they started to do these movement videos of like people, especially during COVID um, when mm -hmm. people didn't have access to a barbell. So they would do like a movement video on somebody picking up jugs of water. And so I was like, okay, okay. yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw that out. And I think most of my followers were like, I don't really, like it, it wasn't received as well as what I thought it would. Oh, yeah. And okay. so people were like, no, I want, I want some barbell stuff up in here, you know? And so I was like, so I, I really have to take myself away from engage like it's great to get immediate market feedback when you post something and it's very well received people are like yeah i love that that's awesome so i'm like okay i'm on the right track but then also it's important to like provide people with stuff that they don't they might not know that they need but it might be useful down the road and so i can't get caught up on like likes and shares and that sort of engagement because my goal is bigger than just like a little social media presence it's like i'm, I'm working on a book that i want to be a, a useful tool for people so like that's starting to be my goal and then it's not so much about like growing a follower count it's because one day instagram will probably be gone or there'll be some oh, thing yeah. you know and so yeah. but like a book is still going to be on your shelf or people are still going to need some kind of reference when it comes to that so it's nice to be able to to grow this platform that i've made into something that's more useful and has more longevity than just a social media presence and I think that's probably, that should be the goal for anybody. You want to grow whatever you've created. Yeah, you're looking at you know your, what's your legacy, what's your exactly. long-term impact, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think for you, I think it's fantastic to think about when you're gone yeah. from this earth, your book, what you've done right now is still going to yeah. last. It's still going to be there, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm still... Gosh, I get goosebumps from time because I'm still overwhelmed to see the response from people. You know, the book was just released finally yesterday, the day before. And so people started receiving them and they started posting videos and they're like, oh, I finally got this book and they love it. And I'm like, like, that's what I'm here to do. It's not just, you know, like I said, not just about social media, but it's like, I really want to create a product or I want to create a tool that's going to help people become better at coaches, athletes, and just movers in general. So it's extremely fulfilling and it comes from 
as you guys would probably agree, it just comes from sticking with it. You just got to, if you got a good idea and you like to do it and you feel like it helps people, just stick with it. You know, it's going to, if it's well received, if people, if it is useful, it's going to take off. So um, I'm just so thankful to, again, have this platform. Yeah, you'll find your market. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll find yeah. it. It's the whole feel the dreams thing. If you build it, they'll they'll come. Uh, you know, if it's legit, if it's got validation, if it's got application to what people need, they'll find you. They'll see. Come. And I feel like there's a slight similarity between like again what I'm doing here with like trying to simplify movements with stick figures, and I'm sure when you guys first start thinking about like using a stick, something as simple as a stick, and I'm sure people were, at the first were like, well. I'll just go buy a PVC pipe at, at, at and, and like, listen, if you want to do it, that's fine. But like, we're going to provide you with a product that's going to withstand time and tension and, and you can do all these different exercises. And it's specifically made for these, these drills and these exercises that are going to make you move better. So I'm sure that you also had the same vision of like, I really believe that this is going to help people. And I know it's simple, but I can make it. So it's, it's a lot of different athletes and it fits a lot of different movements, not just athletes, but just people in general. Again, going back to like what you guys have created, I, I really admire the simplicity of it, but also the broad application of it as well. Well, because that's what brings people yeah. in, right? And so it's like when we look at fitness equipment that's that's either that lacks versatility yeah. or it's such a complicated piece of equipment. When you look at it, your first idea of your first thought process is how the hell do I use right. that? Right. So I think if though, if those are your first impressions, when you look at something, I don't really think that's what you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Right. And so with the stick, it's in, we've had our peers tell us, God, it's so simple. You're Mm -hmm. like, it is, you know, and, and that's the beauty of it is because it is. And I think that's what draws people in is because it's not overcomplicated Mm -hmm. and you can put somebody in a position and say, okay, pull apart on the stick, push it you know, shorten the stick, push into the stick. What are you feeling? I feel this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Cool. There you go. But that's the feedback we want to get. That's the feed. That's what the feedback we're hoping that you just felt. We're there. We're in the right position. We're in the right place. And that's it. And so without a lot of cueing, uh, without a lot of complication, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the old kiss principle, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. I've I've drawn up that exact phrase myself, but it's really this, this trying to simple. I actually have, a set of your sticks at, at my office uh, at, at my gym and it's so nice to be able to bring those out for some of my athletes who are looking to like i don't know they, they might be looking to mobilize in a different way or they might be feeling tight mm-hmm. here or there and i'll be like hey check this out try this and we'll do like the hockey mobility yeah slap yeah, shot yeah. and uh, it's like they're like oh man and you start to see them like play and move around mm-hmm. and as they're doing that just like when we were toddlers learning how to walk when you're playing around you're learning and you're building that awareness of this mind-body connection which really is super valuable when it comes to being not just a high-performing athlete but just like picking your groceries off the ground or whatever like that connection is so important and i think it's really built through intentional action but also play and that's what your product what you guys have created it fits both of those categories really well. Well, and that's the thing is like when you play, it really helps drop a lot of the inhibitions that you may have, yeah. right? We think, okay, your your brain is actually holding you back more than your physical abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we get that play going, 
that makes a big difference because then people kind of, they got something else to focus on. Mm -hmm. uh, the brain doesn't have the ability to, or the time or the point to, to kick all those inhibitions in and remind you of all the stuff that you can't do. And then yeah. all of a sudden you start filming people at play and they're, and you're like, look at all the stuff that you said you couldn't yeah. do. Mm -hmm. And yeah. now you're doing it. Yeah. And when we're talking about play too, that's also with some people, maybe psychologists, sports psychologists would sort, like say like, that's the zone. Like you want to get into the zone when you're in the zone, it feels like play. It feels like you want to keep on doing it and you're, you're, you're jamming along. You feel good. And because if, if the task is too simple, then it's boring. And mm -hmm. if the task is too complex, well, now it feels like work. But if you can find that medium between the two, you're going to excel and you're going to get more benefit from that because you want to stay with it. Like, I mean, geez, talk about Candy Crush or these games that you play on your phone, right? If the task was too easy, then you'd be like, okay, this is a dumb game. Mm -hmm. But if the but if it was like an impossible puzzle game, people would never play it. So, right. so can't, like, and that's just one example. I mean, and I, I say Candy Crush, and I don't even have the, it's not even on my phone, but like, I know it's so popular because, and we all know it's popular because you see commercials for it. You know, it's, it's successful because it's, it's play. It's, it's like that right balance between the two. Well, for example, I didn't realize Wordle, ah. uh, which I've never played, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but in one year, in its first year of release, 30 million people. Amazing. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, the yeah. New, York, New York Times bottom, right? The New York Times owns the no game. No way. Wow. So now, I forget the guy's name, but he's been the editor and the constructor of the New York Times crossword puzzle for oh, three uh, decades. His name Almost is Will Short. Will Short. Will Shorts. Will Short. He, he actually, he's a graduate of IU, Indiana University. Oh, so really? That's oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so now he actually had the he created the world championships, the world championships. No way! He just wow. held it. So when so now he said the original creator of Wordle has something like a few thousand words already lined up. So he doesn't have anything anything to do until those run out. Oh wow! So That's they bought yeah. yeah. So the New York Times bought it and they bought all the content. So wow. he says they've got puzzles set for at least the next few years wow. until they have to start creating new ones. Yeah. And but, you know that they'll come out with another uh, spinoff of that. And it might be yes. it's like math related or something. Yeah. 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 But I was absolutely amazed at how quickly 30 million people. I was like, oh, my God, just mm -hmm. boom. Because it's not too simple and it's not too complicated. It's mm -hmm. right in the middle. It's right in that wheelhouse. Yeah, the importance of play, man. It's gonna keep your attention, and mm -hmm. uh, if you can build build skill, if you can make building skill fun. That I'll tell you right now, I'm kind of tightening up the bolts on my program, my weight training program for my advanced weight training class for this next semester. And there's again, you know, if we're gonna talk about weight training, we're gonna talk about consistency. That's so important. Mm -hmm. But there's a program. There's the five three one program that's pretty popular, and I like to employ that. But then there's a, there's an, an extension on that. that's called boring, but big. And it's really, after you get done with that working set of one plus or three plus or five plus, you go down to like 50 to 60% of your one rep max. And you do like five sets of 10, five, five sets of eight, depending on the exercise. And I personally, I mean, that's what I do. I, and I see so much benefit because that's when you're practicing Cause it's, mm. that's, that's what we really, it feels more like practice because you're getting more reps and you're really able to focus on your form and tighten in your, your movement mechanics. 
And I'm just hoping that my athlete, these high schoolers are going to have the attention to stick with something that's like, uh, you know, coach is now making us do five sets of 10. I'm like, no, listen, I want you to focus on every single rep here. Like every single rep still matters because you're, you're greasing that group. You're, mm-hmm. you're refining your motor pattern as a coach to other coaches. That's like my big concern right now <laughs> moving forward is, is that part of the, the program. We'll see how it goes. Oh, fantastic. They start all building muscle and then they'll keep doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, it, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's where it comes in. Cause that's where the buy-in really comes in. When Absolutely. They see that. They're like, Ooh, yeah. Athletes, as soon as they start to feel or see the results, they're like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I, I think you nailed it right there. So I need to stress that. I'm like, Hey, listen, just stick with it long enough to see the results. And I promise what you see that you're going to have that buy-in it, that buy-in is so important. Mm-hmm. That, that's where the dedication, consistency comes from too that's where you yeah. you have to throw in curls you know somewhere in there so that they, <laughs> yeah, you I feel know. the arm pump and they're like all right all right let's go <laughs> gotta chase that pump man yeah so important. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah. well i know we we need to get back in touch with you as far as doing some more collaboration between uh your platform and our platform uh, yeah. like i said the first time we got together it was fantastic we absolutely yeah. loved it so we need to fire that up again before we we end this i know on your coaching perspectives in the back of your book can you give us two perspectives that you think are really important that you th- would want coaches to hear it's not gonna be anything new the first thing that comes to my mind is just consistency is king uh, i actually i've had a few female athletes that reach out to me to say hey you should re- redraw this to say consistency is queen but regardless like consistency is paramount like that's the most important thing and along with that in order to build consistency you have to be doing a task that is is still achievable you can't challenge yourself too much that you're not going to want to come back or you're too sore to come back or you got to make it still easy enough that you can implement it into a consistent routine throughout your week. So consistency is king. That's like, that's words that I live by right there. Here's another one, a really cool analogy. I picked up from John Wellborn, who runs Power Athlete. He's the one that I learned it from. And he talks about how training is like moving a big pile of dirt. And some days you get a shovel and some days you get a spoon. And the most important thing is that regardless if you have a shovel or a spoon, just keep on moving that dirt. Uh-huh. And obviously he's talking about like some days you feel like a beast yeah. and you can just, you can accomplish anything that those are your shovel days. And some days you feel really beat up and you feel like you don't even want to be there. And you, that you might find yourself with a spoon in your hand, but just keep on moving that dirt. That's how training is. And you just got to stick with it again. So uh, those, those two things, I feel uh, they resonate really well with my athletes and hopefully it helps uh, other athletes out as well. I like it. That's good. I like that. Fantastic. And yeah, so, of course, cool. uh, Whiteboard Daily on Instagram is your social media handle. Uh, any other platform or any other way people can get a hold of you other than Instagram? Not right now, too. And, you know, if you want to check out the book, you just type in Whiteboard Daily on Amazon. Um, uh, it's It was on sale. They had an awesome pre-sale price for 30 bucks. Now that it's available, they bumped the price up. It's still less oh, than, than the retail price. I think it's uh, $40 now. Hey, but still, I, I promise you, you're going to get your value out of that. I've got more coming, but I'm just so thankful again for the response so far. Yeah, that, that's it, really. So I'm, I'm thankful to, to be here with you guys. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been an honor to, to talk with you guys. Well, as just having quickly, briefly looked through your book, 
Uh, I can vouch you will get more than your money's worth out of it. So as I would leave an eBay review, I would say buy with confidence, right? So, <laughs> you uh, yeah, you'll, it's definitely worth it, folks. So go ahead and check out the book. And Carl, until next time, uh, thank you for coming on. We, yeah, we love it, you. brother. Appreciate, Appreciate it. you, man. It's been an honor. You guys are great. I'm looking forward to, to seeing how you guys progress along the, the lines and looking forward to sitting back down with you guys again in the future. Fantastic. And uh, to all the listeners out there, thank you for joining. And until next episode, be good to each other for listening to our podcast be sure to hit that subscribe button and whatever platform you're on either apple itunes or spotify please if you could leave a review we'd appreciate that if you have any questions that we can answer for you be sure to leave those in the comments also if you're looking for more information on our education our products please go to www.stickmobility.com and also hit that subscribe button to that youtube channel and don't forget our live instagram classes three times a week if you want to join in grab your sticks and hit that 45 minute class